I don't know if there's a, a better place to start with this one, which is Marauders or Mara Utters, uh, however you want to pronounce it, uh, than to Paul's white suit, which is interesting. Everyone seemed like they had... Is that like, is that like the difference between Mariner and Mariner? Or I... Or just the, the the cow aspect of this one is underappreciated, and uh, there's a lot of Mara Utters and b- b- Boimlers. Uh, there was something funny. The um, oh boy, <laughs> I can't remember. Boimler, tra- <clears throat> Boimler in the uh, the auto text generator thing that I use for the uh, the clips came up with something strange. How you pronounce Boimler, but that's really n- neither here nor there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, to Paul's white suits, are you a fan or not? Um, well, you know, it's nice to know that she's got something that won't draw heat when they go to the desert planet again. She learned from the last desert planet that they went to that she needs something a little bit bre- more breezy. That's a- uh, same with the other guys. They've got some nice khaki uh, going on. <laughs> a light khaki. This is, um, this is a super beige episode. Very beige palette that they're, Very they're, beige. That they're Very beige. <laughs> and I didn't... I don't know if the costumes are new or if it was just the kind of episode where I was focusing on. I think T'Pol's is new. I don't think I've ever seen her wear that before. I assume that's her go no, out I don't think so. uh, and visit places outfit at this point, but I don't really have anything else to say about it. So we can just get into uh, Marauders. So we'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll break it down. So this is your exclusive arrangement? It's not your concern. How long have these bullies been pushing you around? Five seasons. They take all the first yield deuterium we can extract. Hold still. After they leave, we manage to pull a few thousand liters out of the deep strata, but it takes weeks and it's so full of impurities we can barely refine it. It still brings in a decent price. We make enough to get through the winter. Barely. Okay, so Marauders is the sixth episode of the second season, aired on October 30th, 2002, which might have been Halloween. There's 31 days in October, maybe. Uh, teleplay goes to David Wilcox. I feel like my commentary here is 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 slow to start, but we'll. we'll, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll get. You're not you're not exactly the uh, New York Times editorial <laughs> page right now, but we'll get there. Teleplay goes to David Wilcox. Story goes to Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, directed by Mike Vehar. The in-universe date is unknown, but it's 2152. I blame the episode, quite frankly, for any, any commentary issues that's, that I have. That's fair. That's uh, fair. In this episode, Enterprise discovers a deuterium mining colony that is being controlled by Klingon marauders. The crew trains the colonists to defend themselves and prepare for battle against their Klingon oppressors right out of the progressive handbook for political uh, action, I guess, right here. Um, this is a... I thought this was a quintessential Enterprise episode. I thought that this mm-hmm. was... So enterprise in pretty much every way that it's if someone were if someone would ask me like show me what an enterprise episode is to this point through like one season and six episodes of enterprise I think I'd show the Marauders and um, this is an episode that also calls into question our whole rating system where I, after we finish recording this I will never remember anything that happened in this episode but I will remember a night in sick bay which we gave a one. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but this one's not a one to me, just based on how we or how I look at the rating system. It's not that bad, sure. But this is so forgettable. This is such a forgettable yeah. episode. Just so boring. I don't know. Well, I'll actually take the other side of that, which is, uh, I I find it very easy to remember what happens in this episode. In fact, uh, <clears throat> as I was watching it, I fell asleep about halfway through. And I I woke up right at the final scene with Trip and the kid in the sh- in the shuttlecraft, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, you know, 
I have a feeling I know exactly what happened. And I went back and I watched the half that I missed and I was right because uh, they've already reached the point in their show where they've hit the we're out of ideas. Let's just do the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like the most boilerplate Western pastiche that you could, you know, I'm if the only difference is if this was the original series, uh, Star Trek, they would have ended up in a literal Western town. Right. Like the planet they went to would be like, we're just this mining town in the middle of this galaxy that just happens to look like the American West. Um, but they 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 chose for bur- the Burning Man aesthetic instead, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just so by the numbers. Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, The Three Amigos. It's like the same shit. It even has my favorite scene from those movies and and movies like that or stories like that where they teach. It was at least a little bit more believable in this one, actually. But the scene where they teach an entire town some sort of self-defense thing that usually takes like years to master. Then everybody ends up learning it in about an hour and a half. Yeah. Now it's um, my take on my... My sort of thoughts on this one were uh if you if you read the log line where you pitch this uh so if you're pitching this and you're just like Archer and the Enterprise discover a colony that's being attacked by Klingons they teach the colonists how to defend themselves and the producer who's buying it goes that sounds great like what else is going on you go nothing and they go there's no there's no second layer are the colonists like tricking the Klingons is there some is there some kind of no. deceit going on you go nope. no Absolutely not. They go fantastic. That sounds like an Enterprise episode if I've ever heard one. There's just no. They even. There's no subtext. There's no. There's nothing right. going on beneath it, and it also falls into the other Desert Planet episode. The second half is just montages that are twenty minute montages where you don't learn any. You, there's like nothing going on except for the training sequence and then this fight sequence, and nope. it's just so empty. Even the thing with the kid, even the thing with the kid and Trip, it's like the the least possible effort they could have put into that storyline because I think they only interact in like two scenes. Yeah. And so by the end of the thing, it's like, are you ever going to come back? I'm going to miss you. And he's like, I don't know. We got to get this energy at some point. So maybe I'll be back. It's like, dude, you you. there's no story here. There's no like heartwarming connection yeah. that you've made with this kid or anything. It's just like, that's the one of the things that they do in these stories. I will give them credit, sort of. Uh, for not entirely doing Magnificent Seven because they do throw in a little bit of Blazing Saddles where they pick the town up and they move the town and create a fake town. Um, yeah. But yeah. aside from that, yeah, it's just like, ugh, uh, it's, I I don't know. I, I This is another one where I went into it and I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try and wipe my mind of all my preconceptions of this show. And within... 10 minutes i was just like okay i see what's going on this is gonna play out exactly how i think it's gonna play out i think the thing for me is you can't do this this story in the 21st century without some sort of spin on it right um i feel like we had did we have a similar problem with the episode of the mandalorian that was very similar that one at least was like visually interesting Mm -hmm. because they had the atst in the the woods and shit Oh right yeah that one but But it's pretty much the same idea where it's like he ends up. I think there was some a little bit of subversion there. But, like, you can't play this Western stereotype story completely straight, in a, especially in a science fiction show. 
um, in the 21st century. I, you just can't do it. Yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't say that it's a bad episode, but it has it has far too little story for 45 minutes, which yeah. is a an Enterprise kind of special, I think, at this point. Um, it's you know the first half is is fine, I guess. It's interminable in the second half. It's just like the the most rote outcome that you could expect from this where the training sequences are just so boring and Hoshi just to give Hoshi a scene she teaches that guy how to like not squeeze the trigger before you've pointed at the target which is you know sure. gunfire 101 I suppose Hoshi who has never shown any inkling of being good with a gun <laughs> they had, they, she, who has like actively avoided <laughs> stuff like this in the past because she doesn't know how to handle herself you talking about of it it has a bad action sequence where no one dies despite the fact that this is supposed to be the most dangerous battle against these Klingon marauders that this colony has ever seen yeah. um the whole the whole conceit of the thing I just couldn't wrap my head around either because they they say they're like well we can't we can't fight these guys off for you because as soon as we leave they're just gonna come back and 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 hurt you uh, so we have to make sure they leave for good and I, I and what they end up doing is not anything and then they just leave and it's like okay well they could come back with like another ship yeah. and just blow the fuck out of this yeah. place because there, there's a scene at the end. Where they're they're hiding up in the mountains or the hills, mountains like hills, really <laughs> light light the hills. small landfill yeah, in southern yeah. southern LA. And they've all they're all looking down at the they've got the high ground. They've got the Klingons who are walking up towards them, and I'm just like, just fucking shoot them. This would be done. Yeah. I obviously this is not a Star Star Trek thing is not to you know shoot these guys, but obviously they are bad enough dudes that they need to be dealt with and. There's only one way to not ever have them come again is you just got to kill them. Yeah. Um, but this is such a conflict-less episode. Like, the the, the the Klingon marauders don't even really do anything. There's no they reason that they're show Klingons. up and they're... they're, they're they are, yeah. I would say they're actually antithetical to Klingons. I don't believe that Klingons would act like this, really. Like, they... Mm-hmm. I, I felt that it was a mistake to use them, and... The only way that I can see saving this episode, if you want to keep the general bones intact, is that uh, you have to play up the Klingon angle, I think, a little bit. Like, mm. the the Klingons either have to do something damaging at the end, or you have to kind of hint at the fact that human and Klingon relationships going forward in the timeline is not going to be good, and, like, maybe this is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why. But it comes down to the plot against them makes so little sense where they trap them in fire and it's like well they can just beam out and then at the after two minutes they do beam out and it's like well you didn't save any Mm -hmm. now they're just going to nuke you from up in their space station and then move on and call it a day it's like what's what the hell they have a they have a starship they can target you from space and shoot you and kill you (laughs) and and because the only way that I think you can save that, which they don't do any service to at all, is that you have to dishonor the Klingons or make them think that what they're doing is dishonorable so that they have a reason why they won't kill you that way. Sure. And because they don't treat these aliens like Klingons, which is that they're sort of they're stealing in a kind of... I, I thought this was actually a better episode for uh, Ferengi would fit better in, in what's going on here. Like This feels yeah. like a very Ferengi storyline. Uh, the Klingons don't really, the way that they're acting doesn't strike me as Klingon. It doesn't make sense for the way that the story has to resolve. And at the end, if you don't play up the weakness, the silver bullet weakness of what the Klingons have, there's no reason to not expect that they would just come back because Larry Cedar yelling at them doesn't seem like it would intimidate real Klingons away from ever coming back to this place. Yeah, this episode is actually, um, 
<laughs> it's actually kind of racist towards Klingons, uh, if you'll let me finish that, because uh, the only reason that they use the Klingons in this episode is uh, preconceived notions about what the what the Klingons are, because they look scary mm-hmm. and because they're known to be violent. Nothing they do in this episode shows them to be either of those things. It's just a cheap storytelling cop out. Yep. Uh, the same way, the same way you would use any. Uh, obviously, it's not as bad because the Klingons are a fictional race. You know, but I don't need to caveat that. I hope, but um, they're real to me. The same way you would. What's that? They're, they're, really, they're real to yeah. me. They're real to so many of our listeners. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 similar to a way you would use any other uh, race as a shorthand stereotype, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, you know, the, these these uh, there's preconceived notions about how these certain people or certain alien races are, and so we're just gonna. Leave. I feel like I'm digging myself a hole making this comparison, so I'm gonna bail out. But uh, but it's I, they are. Um, it's just a shorthand, I think, because. Nothing they do in this episode is really bad. You don't see them doing anything bad. You hear them talk about taking this deridium or whatever the hell yeah. it was called. They killed people the first but time they not, showed up. That's that's all that we... I guess yeah. that's what they talk about, yeah. but they don't do it again. Yeah. You know, we don't see them. No, There's no conflict in this episode. There's no direct head-to-head drama. It's just they show up and they're like, and then they leave and then they come back and then they don't shoot at each other and then nobody gets killed. And I don't know. It's just it's very it's very safe. But I would say that also I loved I loved the Vulcan self-defense thing they get taught where it's like this will work perfectly as long as they strike at you exactly in this one manner, <laughs> the, which they all seem to do. So maybe I'm the dumb. It's one. The, the the thing where they talk up the because the, I I would maybe agree with you about the shorthand thing. Except I think that the shorthand that they do here is actively undermined through the episode. And I don't think you need shorthand for what is, to me, shorthand in the first place, where it could be any race that mm-hmm. comes down and is just like, you give us this thing, and it's it's basically a mafia shakedown. Like, you sure. give us this for, they don't even mention protection, but it's like, you just have to give us this stuff, and no one can help you. And... The way that they undermine it is that I think that what they actively what they do as characters, the Klingons undermine what it what I understand to be shorthand for Klingons, which is that they're mm-hmm. super violent and dangerous, but they also have this sort of backbone of honor that you can play against, and it's undermined in the action sequences by you can't talk up the Klingons and have it be like a, an incredibly what they're supposed to be at this point is an incredibly dangerous warrior race, but. 45 year old women can just roll around like it's dark souls around them and they can't yeah. hit them with a bat lift. <laughs> and it's like, well, they, they look like clowns in this case. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, it got me thinking into a weird headcanon space where I'm like, are these guys supposed to be, cause I think to Paul brings up like the high council doesn't deal with these guys. Are these supposed to be like outcast Klingons who don't uh, embrace being a Klingon or something? They don't really dig into that, but it's, it felt like that was necessary to explain why they're so stupid and why they're so lame. Yeah, no, they you don't get you don't get enough time to do any of that. Um, the the real the real way this episode should play out is they should come back and absolutely slaughter the entire town, yeah. and then Archer be like, "Whoa, these guys are way more intense than I thought they were." <laughs> the season finale is Archer returning to this place and just picking up the uh, decapitated head of the the leader here of this of this place. It ends it ends with him back on the on enterprise uh calling up the admiral going like hey um i'm not gonna say why but uh 
these Klingons might be serious business. Maybe we might want to keep an eye on these guys. <laughs> and it's it just, it doesn't make in sequence because Archer's already had episodes where he's played the Klingons' honor against themselves. And I know that you don't want to repeat mm-hmm. the same storyline over and over again. But honestly, I I I feel a good portion of my problem with the motivations of this one is if it was if it was just a ragtag group of space pirates who are doing this like some new alien group or something like that it's just it seems like it makes more sense and but i think i think there it's it's exposing how bland of an episode it is yeah because the klingons are there for star trek trappings like i think you i think you're right i think it would be more interesting as a ferengi episode but um the ferengi are not known as badass killers right so you need a you need a race where you if they're not going to do anything you have to believe that these guys mean business and the Klingons are the only ones that they can really use at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Sulaban <clears throat> wouldn't work; it wouldn't really make sense or anything. And and yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine if they're down there on that planet and then like this five of those like goopy looking Sulaban, rubbery looking Sulaban guys come down and they're like, oh my God, they're back. Those, the, the, the massive killing group. Arch has been traumatized by the Sulaban. He brings it up here. That's the. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got the Sulaban mixed up in my head. I was thinking of the, that one episode with like those weird rubbery guys. Oh, the Sulaban who, like sneak around in the background. Oh, the, uh, the, the ones on the, the ship, the horror scene sequence yeah, where they're on I the ship. I don't know why I immediately went to those for Sulaban. <laughs> Obviously, Sulaban are the ones with the weird <laughs> the faces. The Sulaban but. can stretch too. They can like slide under doors and stuff. So you're not totally there. Uh, they are somewhat rubbery in nature. They just come back and they demand all this all this fuel and they watch all of us pee from under the door and it's very weird because they can just slip under the crack of the door and I don't like it. Archer has uh, Archer brings up the Sulaban in this one just as a I guess an emotional thread uh, that's supposed to be tied in here where he's going to stick up and not let people be bullied and things like that. Um, Is the conceit of this episode? still like semi-serialized like are they still repairing the ship at this point or is the stuff that they need just i think so catalyst for the episode i think so i i assumed it was i assumed it was a tie-in from the last episode where they yeah things broke uh after they got repaired for the first time i think they're still going off of that um archer i like I generally like the way that Archer's set up here, I suppose. I like the idea of him being against bullies, and I think that kind of works for a uh, humanity first in space story, that, like the Archer's backstory is. Um, there's really not much else to say about it. That's just the way that the, the episode runs through it. It tries to provide a little bit of motivation that Archer needs to verbalize why he's sticking up for these guys out of everybody. Um, the kid's story felt the same. You just You have stories like that in this episode, but it felt completely detached from anything and the bond that trip makes with this kid doesn't make sense over the course of three seconds that he spent time with him the kid doesn't even really play into the uh klingon story at all he's just there as a as a little side story to attach to things and um yeah i don't it just it felt it just felt empty it's just it's too little story and i'm i don't know why the show still has a problem with this it's like they're past the Mm. first season they're still making the same mistake it's just this it's a consistent thing i think with enterprise where they under they almost underestimate the amount of uh narrative that has to be in this or the amounts of like uh secondary story or subtext to things like 
you got to add a twist to this somehow. You got to yeah. you got to add some kind of depth to this that is either giving Archer a conflict or if you want to heighten the storyline with the kid and Trip, but it's just not there and it's very flat the entire time. Yeah, I don't know how much there really is to talk about it because it's it's they play it completely straight and like you're saying they don't really add anything or there's no subtext or subplot or anything. It's just a pretty straightforward you know, we got to we got to protect this town from ruffians. Yeah. Uh do you feel how do you feel about to Paul and her uh agreeing with Archer that they should step in and do something here cuz that that I couldn't decide if that was out of character or not. I didn't I didn't like it. Well, I don't know if I didn't like it. I I I didn't really accept it as it was happening. I didn't understand mm-hmm. why she would say that, but I think that the the bigger problem that I think to Paul in that case is a part of is that there's there's no POV from the Enterprise crew. Like Archer has the bare minimum of I don't like people kicking other people around and I'm going to stop them from doing that. To Paul kind of fits into that line where she has to go along with it or the episode is unwilling to give her a little bit of a contradictory take on what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even it almost feels like they just want to sweep the whole prime directive thing under the rug and just be like, Archer can interfere. This is fine. Like to Paul, even to Paul's cool with it. So everyone knows that this is okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly, I mean, this isn't a prime directive thing because obviously they have contact yeah. with, but they mentioned that and you know, uh, Archer brings that up in the show, sure, doesn't he? Like sure. his, his thing is they, they, the show is actively avoiding you even questioning. This is not a this is not a concern about whether or not we should interfere. There's like no legal reason we shouldn't interfere. There's no moral reason. We're just going to do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt out. Of, it kind of felt out of place for me. For uh, I, I wish to Paul had like brought more of like a hardlined logical argument to it, where it's like I agree with you. We do need to step in, but only because the Klingons are hampering the production of this thing that people yep. made, or, you know, some shit like that where it's like, okay, well, you're not exactly doing this out of the goodness of your heart um, as much as you are because you think it makes sense to do yep. it. Um, which I think, you know, that could be an interesting, an interesting through line, especially for the time. If you want to get into uh <clears throat> foreign intervention in desert based societies that, that produce fuel for the <laughs> yeah, planet. Yeah. Well, that's the other Imagine, like, the the other problem with that is that imagine if this is a just an allegory for Middle East oil or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a rag... You can tell that it is by all the white people. <laughs> all the, all the incredible amounts of sand and the amount of white people. For 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 another desert episode, it is the whitest cast. Yeah, Larry, Larry Cedar definitely is a sunblock uh, addict, I would assume, while shooting this. That is, he's not someone who tans well, I don't think. Um mm. If this is a Middle East allegory, it like they're drilling for oil and they get a bunch of oil and everyone wants oil because it's how you make your car run. How how is there no protection for this? Like how are how is a small right. it's like if it was uh, Iraqi oil fields and just some SUV full of guys could drive in one day and just be like, give us all your oil, and they were completely unable to stop it well, from happening. I mean, technically that did happen eventually. Uh once ISIS got their shit together, but <laughs> at least but, they, uh, at least there's there's more than there's more than a carload, I suppose. They're, that's they're true. not just yeah. take like that was 
That was uh, ISIS would be like if the Klingons just stayed there and took up camp, like they took right, it over. The Klingons yeah. would just like give us this yeah. stuff and we're going to leave. And yeah, I don't. I, I think I don't. The episode makes some line. The Larry, the leader, has some line. He's like, "Our ships don't work, or we can't send a communication, or something." It's some nonsense just to get around the fact that yeah. they can't defend themselves. And you know, and it's uh, also like the the Klingons at the end. They're like, "Well." We can get this stuff at a lot of different places. We don't need to come back here. It's like, well, then what the fuck? What's the point of all this? The, the, the Klingon leader had a couple lines that I I thought starting off were sarcastic, but eventually I wondered if it was actually the driving reason he comes. Where he's like, "I love your hospitality. I love hanging yeah. out with you." Yeah, like imagine imagine if you're on. This is going to be a, a very niche cultural reference for for Wes and I. But imagine if you're on like Route One mm-hmm. and you go to you 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 pull into McDonald's and they're like. We're sorry, we don't have enough food for you because the same five guys keep coming <laughs> ruining all of our McDonald's food. And then you're like, okay, I'll get rid of these five guys. And at the end, they're like, well, I can get a cheeseburger literally two doors yep. down at Burger King anyway. Yep. So I'll see you guys later. And it's like, what the fuck? Why, <laughs> why did I? I, I don't. Why, why did anybody do any right, of this? Why did we risk our lives for these uh, these big Because they Because you really like the fries, yeah. right? You don't like the Burger King fries. You like the McDonald's fries, so you terrorize the McDonald's because you love them, just like in any healthy relationship. I, um, I think that the hospitality thing, which I think is supposed to be a joke from the Klingon, like he's kind of being sarcastic mm-hmm. towards them, but it... It it w- w- the way that it ends there where he's like it makes it sound like he was just coming back because he likes these guys and he wants to steal the oil I was, from yeah. them. I was just thinking how much funnier it would be if they went through this whole spiel <clears throat> of this episode and it was just like the Klingons never did anything bad. They actually just really did like the hospitality, but the people there were just like these guys are the worst guests. Right. They 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 always leave their rooms messy. They never tip our wait staff. Could you please help us kill them and have them never come back? <laughs> like that that sort of inversion I would think would be fun. I mean, obviously that's really yeah. silly, but you know, that's what you need in this story is you need some sort of subversion to this well-worn tra- it's um it's almost like they wrote this down. And they're like, okay, this is the outline we're gonna work on. Uh the, the just the the structural, yeah, the structural outline. What we need to do is we need to to make this a Star Trek episode, and then they ran out of time, so they were like, "Oh shit!" Uh, put some bumps on their foreheads and uh, make the kid really like spaceships. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Even at the end, even at the end, the whole thing is about them coming down and, and not and trying to get this fuel and not having enough fuel because the Klingons are taking all of it and shit. Isn't the way that they end up stopping them by getting them encircling them in a ball of fire <laughs> of ignited fuel? <laughs> yeah. The shit that they're that they're they're mining out of the ground, they just blast it and blow it up. So it, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anybody thought any of this through. I just, from a strategy standpoint, I, I got I got real hung up on you can't trap them in fire; they'll beam out of it. Like there's there's no there's sure. no danger yeah. to any they, of that. They should have had them like in the fire, and then they go. <laughs> <laughs> just like, like, like 10 feet to the left <laughs> and the, the Klingon finally bat lets that woman and yeah. then no but then they have this stupid thing where they're walking towards them right and then they all just for I guess I don't know if you want to call it honor or whatever they throw their weapons mm-hmm. down so they all throw their guns and their batlets down so they can be unarmed <laughs> when they walk into this <laughs> ring of fire that they they 
they're, they're they're tracking them up the mountain and they're walking towards them and then these guys the the good guys are like oh shit we're in the wrong place we need to move over and then they start going to this way and then the other guys just start going this way like exactly with them so they work them work them into the right spot so they can then circle them and fire i don't know it's just really stupid it, it is it is tremendously uh tremendously stupid the the thing about uh the hospitality I think uh, just to bring it up, I, I think the hospitality angle actually works as a Ferengi thing. The Ferengi, I feel, sure. would be yeah. like, it's just because it, it's supposed to be very mob like. I, I just get the, the like, this is the mm-hmm. mafia that's coming in, and it's like, hey, you get this nice. It's I, I love spending time with you. Like, it's a good guy. Like, as you're ripping them off, there's that kind of camaraderie, or fake com- mm-hmm. camaraderie in air quotes. Like the Ferengi fit that, and I think that if you adjust that, where it's almost a cultural misunderstanding, you know, where the Ferengi think that this is kind of an acceptable thing to do and they're surprised that they get pushback, mm-hmm. but that would add, that would require adding some kind or, of thought to it. Or, I mean, you, with the Ferengi, you do have that element. I guess they've only met the Ferengi once and they, they were fairly aggressive, but like with the Ferengi, you also have that element of these people are being, if you're going to keep it as bloodless as they do, I feel like you have with the Ferengi, you have the opportunity to be like, the this town has become submissive because the Ferengis present as so dangerous and violent. Mm-hmm. Like, because they look, you know, they got the sharp teeth and they, they look a lot more violent than yeah, they are. Yeah. So they can come down and present as violent. And then when Archer sees what's going on, he's like, oh, no. No, these guys are right. pushovers. You just got to, like, you just flick them in the earlobe and they <laughs> run away. So in that in that case, having the town stand up to them, however ill-prepared they may be, has a little bit more believability yeah. to it because it's like Archer knows that these guys are pushovers. Right. So all you need to do is push back a little bit and they'll go right. away. It doesn't run into the, you're going to fight off the deadliest wars that the, they all talk about very yeah. extremely easily and get away with it. Yeah, and if the, the Ferengi are like, don't you push us too hard. We've got a starship up there that can destroy this entire planet if we want to. It's like, no, you yep. don't. The Ferengi don't fly ships like that. So like that, they there's that sort of like, element that archer brings to it that actually gives them an upper hand in the situation other than it just being archer is the you know yule brenner role yeah. in this in this yeah it's, it's funny because the um i like the scene where the leader and archer are fixing his little machine at night um i thought it was lit really well interestingly and i, I like that actor uh larry cedar's good he's on deadwood for three seasons as leon um and they all like he's he's a good enough actor. I almost felt that his thing about he he's responsible for this town or whatever. Like he's the leader of here, and he feels uh, like a letdown if he can't defend them and everything like that. It was almost enough to carry it. I just thought that scene worked really well. I don't know if you need to hammer it home more than that, but it's 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 just surprising that there's a lack of anything else there. You know, because the yeah. if it's the I, Ferengi standing up to them like that, or standing up to the Ferengi. That is a little bit more of like a browbeaten person, like realizing that he mm-hmm. can stand up against something. It's just the, the Klingon thing stands in the way because you're not supposed to be able to stand up against them the way that Archer talks about them. Yeah, and I uh, I may uh, I may have missed the connective thread because I was a little bit in and out for portions. Um, but uh, I did find he gets heated at Archer. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Very quickly and for reasons that I couldn't really track. Um, just that is, he doesn't want trouble anymore in these parts. I yeah. guess, I guess, but it just it seemed like even from the first interaction when when Archer was like, "Hey, uh, 
you know, what if we, uh, what if we help you out here? He's like, no, we can't have people like you coming down here. And it's like, well, dude, you've already got people. It's, it, it just seemed like a fairly artificial conflict built between the two. To of be them. fair, um, Archer it, rang his doorbell, didn't get a response. So he kicked the door open and went inside. Just like, that's just true. What's going on? That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, no, he's I especially I it stood out to me because the other guy is like, actually, this is a pretty fair. That's a deal, weird think, scene. You know, if we give these guys that. Opening, yeah. And, and yeah. then he's just like, no, we can't do it. It's like, I don't know. Understand what the, the heat is here. That opening scene is strange. I don't even know if it's before the cold open. I don't think it's not. It's after the cold open. But where no, they because the cold open is as unremarkable. As yeah, the episode is that a Klingon ship? Like, no, it's a shuttle. They go. OK. Yeah, it's just they're fixing their tent at the fire festival. And uh, then someone lands in the sh- in the in the shuttle. Yeah, the opening scene is just it. It's um the opening scene is weak between the the two alien characters who are talking to Paul and Archer because it's the they want to demonstrate they want to demonstrate that there's conflict between the two groups and that mm-hmm. this is not going to go smooth. But at the same time, they need Archer and the crew to get invested in the story. So one of the char- after. After the Leon character is like, get the fuck out of here. Like, we don't want any party like that. You don't want any part of this. The other guy is like second in command is like, can you guys fix our stuff? <laughs> and then and then yeah. they go and fix yeah. it. And there's no, it's just this real weird dichotomy where the first guy's yelling at him saying like, get out of here. Like, this is the least friendly place you've ever been. And the second guy's like, oh, maybe you can hang around with us for a little bit and that'll be good. Yeah, he's screaming at them, at them to leave when they're fixing all their broken stuff and giving them free, super advanced medical, medical supplies. supplies. Yeah. And the guy's just like, you can't do yeah. this. Oh, in a weird, a very strange flock scene because the flock scene makes you think that this woman's going to tell flocks that she's been abducted by these guys and is being held as like a stock. Like what flocks is trying to get to, he's like, are you all right? What's happening here? You seem very quiet. And she's, he's just giving her medical supplies, but it's just a... Uh, mm-hmm. There's nothing else there. That woman is just wants yeah, the medical like, supplies. The the way that the way that he gets so heated, I I I would I would I wouldn't have been surprised if it was something like the Klingons actively are holding the guy's wife hostage yeah. or something. Like that would be that's a good third act reveal to to kind of shift the stakes a little bit. Where it's like the reason that they let them do this is because they came down and they took hostages. Yeah you know, a couple of years ago and it's been years since he saw his wife or yep. whatever, um, or his son or daughter or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, <laughs> but it's just nothing. It's just played. Totally no, it's straight. the same. It's the, I guess they're not, they don't have, they must have starships or something. They, they must have a way to get off of there, but it's the more you think about it, the stranger is like these colonists just get robbed blind by the Klingons, but they continue to work for them. You know, like there's no, sure. There's no, if the if the Klingons had the guy's wife, you would understand why they continue to drill for this oil to give it to them, just so that they can maintain some sort of like status quo here, where they're not going to get hurt anymore. But why don't you just pack up and leave? Let the Klingons dig up their own deuteronium or whatever. Like they, you don't right. seem to be getting yeah. anything out of staying here. You're just working all year, and then you apparently they have winters and they have to survive on the corn that they've saved up through the winter, and they can barely get by. It's just a, it's it's. It's a Western thing that works in a Western genre. You can kind of see it more, but when mm-hmm. it's in a Star Trek space world where a starship can just get you the hell out of there and you can go somewhere else and do something, it's it seems weak, um, especially because Archer makes fun of the condition of their camp and it's like this place is a shithole. Uh, so it's not like they want to yeah, live there. I feel, I feel like they would have had equal success if they had just broken down the whole town because obviously it's like modular right. and they can do that. <laughs> just moved it for like two yep. weeks 
And then when the Klingons came back and there's nobody there, they go, well, there's nobody here. I guess, uh, I guess yep. they left. Well, that's the end of this town. Well, we're off. It's, and like, they're never going to come back. It showed that worked in this because <clears throat> Mayweather can just get out of scanning range of the Klingon ship. You can just go on the other side of the planet. Yeah. So the- yeah, just fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that too, where it's like, well, we can't have a Klingon enterprise space battle. So let's have the ship fly to the other side of the planet. Anything you really. So they have no idea what's going on down on the planet either. Anything you really like about this episode? I don't think this episode did anything stand out to me, really. Um, I, don't, no. I don't want to sound... It's. Uh, I thought this one was fairly silly. And I think this one like deserves more scorn than something like A Night in Sick Bay. Um, yeah. This is just lazy, really. It's like, yeah. a, like, at least take a big swing and miss, like A Night in Sick Bay, where I'm like, oh, that was really terrible. But at least it was like a kind of a fascinating, surreal nightmare of Archer awakening the entire Night in Sick Bay. This one is. If this episode had an under undercurrent of Archer's sexual repression, right. then I think maybe it would have been more interesting. <laughs> Archer is just very frustrated about. Uh, he wants to take things back and, and make things his own. <laughs> Let's take a break. Then I can't. I can't figure out what to do about these Klingons with all these women around. I've got. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. I just. I'm uh, uh, losing my mind. Just- <laughs> Could she be wearing a tighter jumpsuit trip? Is it possible? <laughs> you just let her walk around like this? <laughs> Are there no co- cultural codes on this planet? T'Pol's, uh, T'Pol's battling that <laughs> Klingon on the ground, and Archer's just licking his lips, standing over it. He's just like, oh, oh, this is good. All right, let's take a break then. We'll play. T'Pol, don't, don't <laughs> fight like T'Pol. that unless you want me to do something about it. It's like, Jesus don't, Christ, Archer. Don't just, don't just lead me on, woman. Um, yeah, we'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back. We'll read some patron thoughts. There's only a few of them. And then give our final thoughts. Chapal, do they have anything on Vulcan like blue balls? <laughs> Actually, yes, Captain, we do. We don't have sex for <laughs> seven years. Or our entire, ex- this whole attitude. Our entire culture is based around blue <laughs> this, balls. This whole, this whole attitude and persona we built around ourselves is directly related. All right, so we'll come back with uh, final thoughts about marauders. There must be over a thousand liters here. Two thousand. Our deal was for 200. Our deal was for power cells, medical supplies, and repair work. You provided us with much more than that. Besides, we seem to have a surplus for the moment. Give your crew our thanks. Have a good season. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show additionally, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support us by giving a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff like extra podcasts and behind the scenes stuff. You get the polls to vote on what we talk about. You get the Star Trek revisits and the Star Trek commentary videos. And always our captain tier supporters get a special thank you, special shout out. So thank you to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matthew Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cholog, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Jordan Cooper, Z- Derek Zajak, Russell Elwich, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stefan Minton, Darth Mosk, HS28, Mad Curry 6, Jake123, Mike Harris, Jake Hees Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Sanchuan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, and Timothy Cooley. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, patient thoughts about Marauders. Is this the first one? It is. If you're a $5 supporter, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them. Thomas Darnell says, I'm a sucker for seven samurai tropes, so I really enjoyed this. 
But the problems are obvious, like the miners really depended on the Enterprise crew and that standoff. They'll never have a chance if the Klingons return. Why did the Klingons give up like an after-school special bully? They could have tactically beamed out of the flames and behind enemy lines, for one thought amongst many. In deuterium, this hardly seems like the best way to get it, but what do I know here in the 21st century? A high three. My uh, my favorite <clears throat> version of the uh, teaching a town's worth of people to fight in a, like an hour and a half is an Army of Darkness, where um, Ash, who is an idiot from the 20th century, <clears throat> teaches a village full of uh, medieval people who probably all know how to fight a lot better mm-hmm. than him. Two very rudimentary like stick fighting moves yep. that uh, I don't even know. He probably made them up on the spot, but they <laughs> they all they all nail it, and it helps them beat back the uh, forces of the undead very effectively. This one gave us a chance to get another shot of uh, Travis Mayweather in tight clothing for his training sequences, which is Hell the, yeah. the show's going to do anything with him. It seems that that's his, his role. Um, that would be that would be the best subversion if it was if Archer was finally like to Paul I I don't know if I can fight these feelings for you anymore and she's like thank you but I'm actually kind of into Mayweather have you seen that guy without a shirt on I feel like if we're going like he's probably up to my level whereas you are not unfortunately yeah they should have just beamed Mayweather down to show off to the Klingons and the Klingons would have run away at that point it's just yeah just frontline him oil him oil them up, give them a couple <laughs> knives, they would run away. <laughs> Matt Ross says, how many times is the Seventh Samurai Magnificent Seven going to be remade? We've seen this story so much and Enterprise adds nothing to the formula. There was an opportunity here with Trip and Archer to disagree, but it was waved away too fast. I do have to wonder if there was an order to make DePaul's outfit tighter than cellophane. I can't believe Fox gave away the caulking gun. How can they fix the showers? Thank you very much. Kyle Barrett says, Marauder is a perfectly perfunctory, if not middling, retelling of Seven Samurai, which is almost an obligatory story for any genre show to adapt at this point. To give a Star Trek twist to a well-worn tale, I would have preferred the fighting at the end to be about dishonoring the Klingons rather than simply besting them. They should have leaned into the idea that they only needed to make the Klingons look foolish and like bad warriors to have them running off with their tails between their legs. I guess they're kind of, they kind of do that, but they should have focused on it to stop the episode from feeling so generic. The Klingons here could have been any race acting simply like a gang of Western goons. Two and a half out of five. Point Extra G says they sh- they should have actually they should have gotten uh, Eli Wallach to be the lead Klingon, who's he? so he could re he he was the he was the lead bad guy in uh, uh, <clears throat> Magnificent Seven. Seven. You know, just a tight nice Jewish guy <laughs> playing a stereotypical Mexican <laughs> in a nineteen sixties Western. So would have fit, fit right in as a show. Klingon. Uh, Point Extra G says, Enterprise is going for a Seven Samurai Magnificent Seven here, but what they ended up is closer to the Three Amigos or Bugs Life, which doesn't mean it's bad. It's a decent episode. It did a serviceable job of telling a story we've seen many, many times before. It really didn't do anything new, and I don't see the resolution really scaring the Klingons away. No one likes the Klingon resolution here. Uh, Woodrow says, Marauder is a well-crafted and well-acted episode all around, but the makeup was a big miss. I was very unimpressed with the bland alfalfa hair, sprout foreheads, and the indistinguishable Klingons. These Klingons clearly have broken scanners, or they would have seen the Enterprise, Miners, or Deuterium. I wish their transporter was as inoperable because the Marauders beaming out of the combat was not as climactic as the Harrowed Retreat to their shuttle would have been. Three permanent bands from Stovacor out of five. Lots of- I'm really interested in the, in the reactions to this one, actually, because... They're being a lot more diplomatic about it than I think I'm going to be. Mara, uh, Latte up. Librarian says this might be the first episode of Enterprise I actually enjoyed. 
continuing your theme here. Wow. For once their meddling right. doesn't seem ill-advised and Tripp's paternal instincts were cute, ignoring the plot holes and the unconvincing fight choreography, it was a pretty good episode. I like the callback to when Hoshi was having trouble learning how to shoot with the weapon <clears throat> and showing that she's more competent and comfortable with it now. I also enjoyed seeing Flox's starfish leech, the crew keeps mentioning. Four copies of Enterprise schematics out of five. Four out of five. Wow, interesting. Uh, and then Neil Brennan with a final comment. As soon as I heard Archer intone, there's a saying on my world. I knew it was going to be a teach a man to fish thing. Either that or there's a saying on my world. I've started my own podcast. To Paul's fl- Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass pussy. <laughs> to Paul's flared white jumpsuit, still skin tight, of course, is very 70s, which makes it stand out since everything else here is so 1990s Trek. But this is made in 2002, so time for a refresh, surely. One disco inferno out of five. So Neil went hard That's at the like end there. So I, if Thank we you can, I'm just, I'm, I'm just curious. You can do this on Discord, or if, or if you want to, if you can leave it in a. Can can they send messages independent of reviews? Because I, I'm curious. I would like to know what if you had to pick three things that make a good episode of Enterprise, what would they be? Because I don't think this is a good episode <laughs> this is i find it to be very lazy um i find it to be very uninteresting uh there's no character work in it that i find engaging yep. uh and they misuse the klingons um and ultimately the action sequence and resolution at the end is really unsatisfying yet a, every a lot of people seem to find this to be one that is above average mm-hmm. or a- average, average or above. Or, yeah, average. I, I would be fair and say they think it's average, yeah. yeah. And I'm curious what makes, what to them makes a good start uh, Enterprise episode and what makes a bad Enterprise episode because I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to give this one a one because I don't think, I think it's, I think if we're working by Enterprise rating logic, mm-hmm. this is a, it's there's nothing wrong with the production. Uh, there's really nothing wrong with the bones of the story yep. that they decided to tell. But that stuff and the acting is fine. But that stuff aside, it's just like like you were saying, a night in sick bay is way more interesting and way more memorable than this, which is just the most throwaway episode I can ever imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I um. You're going to give it a one. I I think to stick to me, I'm glad you gave it a one. It'll bring the average down for us. Like I, I think I have to give this a low two just because it's mm-hmm. it's functional. Like I, I think that A Night in Sick Bay is a one just because it <laughs> is the, it's a strange, like if you were to, to describe both of these or to watch both of them, I think you walk away from Night in Sick Bay going like that that was a strange what a strange decision to do that one. Where Marauders sure. is not really sure. that. It's like you, you get it, but it's incredibly low effort. Yeah. Um I'll give it a two. <coughs> It'll knock down the average. I think this is a terrible episode, though. Um mm. I would have given it a two, but I'm giving it a one because I'm disappointed. <laughs> I <coughs> Yeah. I wonder if I could. I mean, because the the only the thing that I think is comparable is Sleeping Dogs, which is another Klingon episode in the first season, the one where the the ship is stuck in the the planet's atmosphere and they beam down and they kind of sure. walk around. That's sure. I feel that one's 
more similar, although I feel that that one is even was even more exciting than Marauders because there's this kind of thing of you don't know what's going to happen on the Klingon ship once they're down there. Yeah. And here, you know immediately <laughs> from the get-go Sorry. what the on, there's only one way that this is going to play out unless... Right. Yeah. This maybe would have been a great episode if the Klingons had like wiped out the colonists at the end, you know, and Archie's like, well, I learned my lesson yeah. about trying to stick up to the Klingons, but they don't, they don't, they don't do that. I'll, I'll give it a one. I really didn't like this one. Um, I yeah. thought it was lazy and yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's too, I feel like it's too early in the series run to be doing the, you know what we need to do? What if we did a Western? Mm-hmm. Let's all do a wet, you know, and then not that, that inclination is, is fine, but yeah, they just don't, uh, I, I guarantee you, if you, if you found an interview of someone talking about this episode, what they would say is, you know, we're all just big fans of Westerns and we just really wanted to do a Western. It's like, okay, yeah, that's what you say in like season <laughs> right. eight. When you're running out of ideas and it's like, well, you know, we never did a musical episode and everybody on the show knows how to sing. So that's why we wrote in uh, this alien virus that makes everybody break out into song. It's like, no, no, you you're seven, ten episodes. How many episodes are we into season two? Six. This is the sixth. Six. You're six episodes into your second season and you're wasting an hour on a uninspired magnificent seven retread that adds absolutely nothing to your story i don't know i just i can't can't give it a pass i'm sorry is there a defense of this one that this is a good enterprise story so in terms of where enterprise exists in the timeline and what enterprise is trying to do as a prequel series is there Mm -hmm. is there i suppose you could make the argument that archer's story here is the central thing about it's the federation sticking up for the oppressed and it's the this understanding that um, by working together you are going to strengthen everybody so that these outside marauders can't come in and sort of take advantage of you it's the strength in numbers idea that the federation eventually is going to become um Mm -hmm. the problem there is that it's not subtextual to anything like they they it's it's brought up by a sort of happenstance or there's nothing interesting to push back against the idea of why maybe this is a uh, a conflicting choice for Archer to make at that point. Like why there's no downside to it. So that's the best I have. And I, I'm not even convinced yeah. by this argument. I just think that that's like it's the, the, the weakest of uh, connections is to just say that this is an Enterprise episode because it's about Archer spreading his own personal goodwill that will eventually become the goodwill that encompasses the Federation's values. Yeah. Well, I also think I also think that they undermine if that's what you're going for. I think they undermined it by playing it so straight, where it's like we need to learn how to fight and shoot in order to defend ourselves from these people. Because if like, I think an interesting, I think it would be interesting if they got down there, and the Klingons were doing what they're doing, and everybody in this town was like, "We just need the right guns. We need guns. <laughs> we need right. weapons, and we can blast these guys back." And Archer's like, "All right, I'm down with what you're saying here. Obviously, you guys are being oppressed by these people and, and taken advantage of, but I don't know if that's the way you want to handle this because you're just going to shoot at them, and then they're going to shoot back. They're just going to come back. Die. Archer's logic is they're, they're just, just going to come, come back. back. Like, yeah, there's yeah. more of them. So it would be an interesting subversion if, like, when the Klingons come back. They do the thing where it's like, oh, they're they're 
they've walked into the trap and they're they're sending them towards a very specific thing and what they send them towards is like a town hall meeting <laughs> or something where archer archer's like hi guys listen we really need to talk about what's going on here and like solve it diplomatically yeah. or something something just to invert it cuz i mean this like i was saying this this story is a story about obviously rising up and pushing back your oppressors, but it's always a very violent yep. one. It's always the the core of the story. If you go back to Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai, is a town hiring killers to come in and kill the people who are threatened to kill them. That's not how Star Trek works. So if you want to make this a Star Trek story, the answer is solving it without violence. Yep. Solving it with some. If you're going for, oh, this is the, the future of Starfleet working together, that's how you end the story. You don't end the story by threatening to kill them and they run yep. away. You end it by coming to some sort of diplomatic solution that works for everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's just what we were saying, what Kyle said with his comment. Like you, you, have, to, you have to hit the Klingon's honor sensibility here to cause yeah. them to not come yeah. back. And if you do that... You can have an episode where the Klingons actually kind of realize and learn a lesson that what they're doing is like, because they're basically just stealing from, I would have to assume Klingons would see this as dishonorable in some way because they're not they're mm-hmm. not killing these people and taking their stuff, which I think the Klingons would see as honorable. Like that's a good way to go about things. They're just sort of enslaving them to make stuff for them. you know. It, it, and that's why right. I think it works better as a Ferengi story because I think that that feels more like a dark side of capitalism if you want to go to that like it's you know it's that kind of a thing the klingons don't the klingons don't feel that way and this feels that archer could convince these guys he's like listen it's true klingon warriors or he notifies the homeworld and the homeworld sends other klingons who are like what the fuck are you doing like this isn't the way that you need to be acting and you know something like that it's a a better resolution yeah and with the ferengi too i I, this necessitates a better understanding of the ferengi which they don't have at this point but with the Ferengi, I think it opens you up to a diplomatic ending because you can barter with them. Right. So if you if you present if you present the idea that the Ferengi are now backed into a corner, and now you're like, listen, I think if if they had if they had set it up that the 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 village is missing something very vital to their survival, and also being oppressed by the Ferengi, and then the Ferengi have that thing that they need, yep. I think you could end the story with them having hashing it out with the Ferengi and coming to a conclusion that's good yeah, for everybody because the Ferengi are going to make a deal and they're going to stick by the yep. deal you know it's it's a it's a two-way street deal kind of thing I think that would be a that would actually be a more interesting way to play it is it, yeah and that that cements Archer as a bridge builder that I think he's supposed to symbolize yeah. he's supposed to symbolize bringing disparate especially together Especially if you've got that scene where he's like, I just don't like bullies. I don't like being put, pushed around. And then to Paul's like, you know, I agree. I think we need to help these people, but I think maybe we should think about the way we go about doing yep. this. Because is this a situation where you feel like you need to bring violence to the situation? Or can we look at this a little bit more rationally and come up with a better solution that isn't just you flying off the handle and starting to shoot yep. people? Yep. No, agreed. Agreed. That's that's the big problem with it. Um, I would I would I would say, I'll give it a one. You'll give it a one. Patrons disagree and give it a little slightly higher score. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, Patreon.com/slash The Penske File. All the links are down below at the com slash links and all the social media. You can join the Discord if you want to join the conversation there. There's a link to the Discord server. And uh, Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? 
Yeah, we've got a new Rotten Horror Picture Show coming out this week. We're doing Candyman. And uh, we're actually also doing a bit of a Patreon fundraising drive, sort of, uh, going into Halloween. Because Amanda and I would love to do some uh, Patreon content where we cover horror franchises that are probably not on our list in their entirety. So, for instance, the Friday the 13th series or uh, the rest of Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween or something like that, which we will not be covering because they're not in our list. Uh, But in order to do that, we have to hit a certain goal on our Patreon page. So if you want to help us out, uh, you can check that out at the patreon.com slash the Penske file. So once we hit that goal amount, these guys will have an extra podcast per month. And as an incentive to all you Star Trek fans out there who might not be huge horror movie fans, if we hit that goal, it gets us very much within striking distance of the Voyager goal where Wes and I will do the entirety of Voyager. So if you want to, if you like putting us through hell more than you like listening to horror movie podcasts, that might also be an incentive for you. Year of hell. Um, I was, I I thought you were going to say that you were just going to call the Candyman Kern the entire episode to get, to get, to get Star Trek people uh, invest. Tony Todd plays uh, Worf's brother. Oh, sure. Um, sure. I guess that's it. If I had, if I had been, cognizant of that enough when we recorded it i would have done that, <laughs> we, can, we can release the patron uh, star trek version where we just bleep out every time and replace it with a current uh yeah so check out the patreon you can do that once we get to that goal you get an extra podcast a month and that brings us within striking distance of voyager which uh is not really close but it's coming up relatively soon thank you guys very much thank you for supporting the show thank you for listening and we will see you next time